I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. Maxie, uh, who's getting a haircut first, you or Luca? Uh, <laughs> and uh, very, very, very effective here in the bubble. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, the barbershop boy, the one more thinking. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? All right, guys, we gotta we gotta take a moment and pour one out. Do we and have to? Do we have to we pour have, one out? We have to pour one out for Steven Silas. Oh yes, for sure, for my sure. Steven Silas, my man, went through last year running <laughs> the best offense in NBA history. He did here in Dallas, chilling, enjoying Luka Doncic and just this Mavericks team. This the, guy's the just world is, in front of him. I mean. If the Rockets blew it up, I was fine with it. I'm like, hey, don't say like poor Steven Silas then if they blew it up. Because then he gets like a clean slate. Then it's like almost more job security. You got time. Everything makes sense. This is the worst possible outcome. The fact that he is having to sit there and answer questions, which this guy hardly talks anyway. But like he has to sit there and answer questions and answer for James Harden. Man, they're doing this guy a disservice. And I, I love Steven Silas and I feel bad for him. I mean, all right, on today's show, we're going to be talking about Mavs, you know, media day. There's another update. Rick Carlisle spoke about defense and the reason why the Mavericks didn't trade Maxi, or at least that's what we believe the reason why they didn't trade Maxi. We'll also hear from Tyler Bay as well. He spoke to the media and Rick Carlisle gave a really good, he gave a really good answer about adjustments for rookies in the NBA. And then Tyler Bay talked about his personal experience with adjustments in training hey, camp hey, so hey. far. So hey, some hey, real hey. good stuff at the, in the third segment. We'll talk about that. Uh, but yeah, we have to we have to talk about this Rockets thing because it affects the Mavericks for sure. Uh, because this team is falling apart in front of our eyes. James Harden has been in Houston working out and doing things. He hasn't shown up to training camp yet. He hasn't even spoke. He hasn't even spoken to Stephen Silas. But they said he said, "Oh, but I he's think." All in. And there's a quote from Stephen Silas saying that we think that he we know that he's following the COVID protocols, and yet we see this video of him at Little Baby's. Like birthday bash, they call it. And he's like throwing money in the air, which, you know, do whatever you want with your money. I don't care about that. Yeah. But the fact that he's just like in this inside room in this like club with no masks. And I don't I didn't see his face. I don't know if he had one on or not. But I mean, just that's that cannot be COVID protocol, right? Like there's no way like <laughs> there's no way that falls in line. And then. We get this quote just from Tim McMahon as we're recording this. Source, James Harden did not return to Houston for his anticipated individual workout on Sunday evening, but told Rockets management he will report soon. I mean, MIA, James Harden is MIA from Houston right now. He said he now wants to play with John Wall more than Russell Westbrook, even though he did that a year ago. I tried to explain this whole situation to my wife today. Because I was freaking out about that James Harden stuff today, and I was just laughing. And she's like, what are you laughing about? And so I try to explain. And I guess we should just explain here. So James Harden becomes the number one guy in Houston, right? They bring in Dwight Howard, and then they have this whole kind of fall, you know, falling out between them, which was pretty much anticipated being those two guys. They fall out. He's like, I want to play with Chris Paul. And the Rockets are like, all right, here's Chris Paul. 
And two years later, after they have really good results, he's like, I don't want to play with Chris Paul anymore. And they're like, okay, we could trade him. Who do you want us to trade him for? Russell Westbrook, we're best friends. And he's like, okay. And they trade for that guy. And then a year later, he's like, I don't want to play with that guy anymore. I want to play with somebody else. Like, all right, who do you want to play for? And he's like, I'll play for John with John Wall. He's my friend. Like, all right, we'll trade for John Wall. Guess what? I'm not going to show up. That's the James Harden experience in Houston so far. Crazy. <laughs> my, who. Uh, so <laughs> my best friend, uh, that I talk about, I just need to bring, uh, Michael back on here and do like a Bill Simmons house thing. Uh, but for the Rockets, he, yes, he's you know, a huge Rockets fan. He's like, Hey, if Rodman can do it, if Rodman can go to Vegas, uh, back in the nineties, this is hard and just pulling his Rodman thing. Uh, which is totally different. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, these are not even similar things but, because here's the thing. It's like, you know, players had to report back to, I'd say had to you know, loosely, obviously, but players had to report back to their home markets, you know, on what Friday. I mean, when I talked to Tyro Terry for that piece for Mavs.com, he was telling me, he's like, yeah, I got to fly into Dallas on Friday. And then, I, you know, they start their quarantine. Time. Like all the players had to be back in their market. We saw all the. Not Luka this past Friday, like before. Yeah, the Friday before. And to where they, you know. Everybody had to like quarantine for a couple days and like pass the COVID test and all this stuff to be able to start training camp on day one as a team and all of that. So no matter how much you're, I've seen some Rockets fans trying to rationalize this or like, oh have oh, they? You know, it's, it's, oh have they? Have <laughs> Rockets like, fans right, tried to rationalize no, something? No matter if you're a believer in John Wall <laughs> and Harden working, it's still not a very good look at all that he is just like coasting through this thing. It's like, hey, I'm not even gonna. I think the real question is, you know, is he? is his value going down and will this like force Houston to, you know, you know, other teams out there are probably saying, Oh, well, okay. If this is just going to keep going South, then, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe our asking price is going to go down. Cause you know, how long is the rockets going to put up with this? So, I don't I'm think his really asking interested. price is going down because I think every other fan, every other team, like management, that would be a be in a position to get James Harden. I feel like they all would say, "Oh, we can fix him." You know what I mean? Like it just well, feels like they would, all, from the they would all be the, like the girlfriend or boyfriend that says, "I can fix him." You know, and would, would take on that kind of a challenge. Well, if they're like in a staring match right now, like if Houston's in a staring match with like Brooklyn, Brooklyn or Philly, yeah, Philly, and they're like waiting on stuff, if I'm Philly or Brooklyn, I'm saying, "All right, no." We'll just hold on to our offer. Let's see how long you want to do this. Yeah. Because this is entertaining to read and watch right now as your boy is in Vegas partying it up. Yeah, if uh, if Raphael Stone was like DMing Daryl Morey, he's like, hey, what do you think about James Harden now? Daryl Morey should just text back, you said you'd get uncomfortable. Here we go, right? Like, yep. that, that's what I would send to <laughs> him. Like, Petter, yeah, I think I might take a pick back. So uh, <laughs> I think we'll just sit here and, and watch this until you're ready to trade pretty much Ben Simmons in like a protected first or something. All right, here's the question. Are the Rockets a playoff team next year? I mean, just with what we know about them, seeing all this drama, like – We've seen James Harden drag teams into the playoffs that probably, you know, maybe shouldn't have been there or just on the verge. But I mean, this team, this team is probably the worst team he's had since he got there. Even that 41 and 41 team a couple like 5 or 6 years ago, that team was probably better than this one. They at least had like the Beverly like, you know, Harold Lou Williams yeah. kind of group. I yeah, uh, I think it's so hard. I mean, I want to say no. Uh, but it's just so hard to put any value on John Wall right now. They, they released like the the gym workout of all gym workouts today to hype a dude who hasn't played in two years uh, in John Wall. Man. And it's like, oh, cool, he can dribble fast. That's awesome. I want to see if he's really explosive again. So I think that's super hard. It just, 
everything that's going on, I, it's just fun to watch as a Mavs fan, you know? Oh, it's like, hey, for sure. Cool. Let's just let's just embrace all of this. But I mean, is he on this team to start the season? Harden at this is point? he playing? Yeah. Is he showing up? Does he play any preseason games? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm, I think this. I think this is. I think this happens. I think he's on another team by next week. I kind of don't blame him for some stuff. This team is completely different than when he even like a year ago. You know? I don't, no, 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 no. I don't want to take anything off him because he keeps on like <laughs> the whole thing, like wanting Russ and all of that. Oh, that like, stuff. Yeah. I mean, they for had sure. to. So, like, I kind of. I don't blame him for wanting greener pastures and to go play with KD yeah. and Kyrie in Brooklyn. Sure, of course. I mean, I think a lot of people would want to do that. But I don't want to look at the roster situation and be like, I don't blame him for that because I think he does deserve some blame for that. I look at more. I was saying more the front office, right? Like he oh, okay. he signed up for this, you know, D'Antoni, you know, Maury like setup, and maybe he was okay with Maury, but he didn't want. Apparently, they didn't. He didn't want Silas, and apparently, he didn't want Jeff Van Gundy, which good for him. I guess, but if they, they if wanted they Ty Lue Harden, and they weren't going to get Ty Lue. If they traded Harden, would this be the blow up of all blow ups that you lose your GM, head coach, and your two superstars in the same offseason? Tillman. I mean, that's like the Kevin O'Connor is getting very excited just <laughs> listening to that. <laughs> Someone check on Kevin O'Connor. <laughs> um, when did Tillman Fertitta buy the team? <laughs> um, four years ago? No, I, I don't know. Uh, a couple years ago? Not that long ago, right? Two years? Just ask Trump. <laughs> 2017, he bought the team. Three years. Three years ago. Okay. In three years, they've had Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, now John Wall. Terrell Morey's gone. D'Antoni's gone. Like, man, what a tenure there. All right. Well, that's the Houston Rockets. We kind of enjoyed jumping on them, and uh, I think oh, they're going to miss so the playoffs. Fun. I can't. I, if Harden's not completely 100% locked into a season, and I can't imagine that he is, then I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, especially with some of these other teams getting better. No, that's, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Harden is unbelievably good, but I don't want to say their roster's trash, because I actually like some of the, like, the Christian Wood signing was really good, I thought. I mean, I thought that was really good value. Yeah, uh, sure. Getting him at that, that cost and stuff. Losing Covington... That was like if they still had Covington and it was like Christian Wood and Covington yeah. and PJ Tucker and like stuff like that, piecing some stuff together, then I wouldn't want to say they're all out, but I don't know at this point. It's just it, probably yeah, lean their top six is okay. And then the rest of it, like, oh, you have, are they better than the Suns? You have one injury on that team, and they are, I mean, they're screwed pretty much. And John Wall is, you know, definite injury prone. All right, coming up, let's get into some. Mavericks media day stuff. Rick Carlisle gave an awesome answer about defense for the Mavericks and then talked about Maxi Kleba as well. The reason why the Mavericks didn't trade Maxi Kleba, I think that Carlisle gave us that answer. And then uh, we'll hear about rookie stuff. But before we do, Isaac Harris built bars. I put in my order. I'm waiting for my built bars. I'm waiting for them to come. They're in the mail. I'm excited for them. 18 incredible flavors. I went with mint brownie. You get three flavors if you do the, the, the combo pack. I like the combo pack because I get to pick a couple. I went with mint brownie, and I went with uh, double chocolate. I love the double chocolate. And then I also went with the cookies and cream. It was a new flavor that I needed to try, so I went with that. I'm waiting for mine to show up. They're incredible. They're the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. It's true. 
low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for a keto diet. I just need something that I can go to the cabinet, grab and come back to work, right? Like everybody that's working from home right now, you don't want to uh, spend time prepping snacks. It's so annoying to have to prep a snack. You know, it's like, this should be quick <laughs> snack. The word snack is fast. It should be fast. So go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. All right, Isaac, let's get into some of this media day stuff for the Mavericks. So a theme that the Mavericks have been pushing, you know, from all accounts is defense. And Rick Carlisle was asked about how they put defense into practice in, um, you know, workouts. So we'll hear from him about that. A couple of newsy things first that Carlisle also mentioned. Sunday was their first live five on five yeah. Day, which I think is kind of notable. Uh, the Mavericks have a preseason game like coming up, right? In like a, a little over a week. And so they're just now getting into five on five, which is pretty wild. The first two days were installing and technique. They were going over a lot of teaching and coaching. We've heard different players say that, you know, that coaches have worked a lot with each of them individually and together about installing some plays. Tyler Bay had a pretty good answer today about uh, installing plays. He said that they install about four plays a day. And so they're up to like 12 now, which was uh, kind of funny to hear him like kind of wide eyed say, all right, we're, we're getting, we're, this is like, you know, drinking from a fire hose. So this is the first day that they went five live, live five on five. And then also James Johnson, this is a, you know, a, an injury update that we got. He has a slight knee issue. It's an MCL strain. So it's not a sprain or anything like that. He hasn't done anything live yet, but he is on track to be involved on live five on five on either Tuesday or Wednesday, according to Carlisle. So we're looking for, you know, what we get from him. And we'll talk about him in a little bit too, as, as far as being a veteran, because he made another impact on another player. So we'll talk about him on that. But here's Rick Carlisle talking about defense. It's been the big theme all through training camp. This is Rick Carlisle's answer on how you install defense, how you focus on defense tangibly. We're spending more time on it. Uh, philosophically, we've, we've changed a couple of, of things in our approach, which we think uh, will, will help make us better. Um, and, you know, on the personnel side, we do think we have um, some guys that will facilitate us being a better defensive team just because they're better defenders, you know. But, look, defense is a, it's a mindset. It's an attitude. Um, you know, offensively last year, you know, we were historically great. Um, but we were – you know, we were all offense all the time, and, and we were below average defensively. And this year, you know, if you really want to be a contending team, the, the trend, the trend that the numbers that, that, that I've seen over the years is that you've got to somehow get into the top ten in defense. Um, in 2011, you know, we, we were in this same position, um, and we talked about that. I think we finished uh, eighth that year in, in defense. Um, Look, I don't know if we're going to have the ability to do that, but we've got to we've got to do everything possible to move in the direction of becoming better at the defensive end. And I'd say, you know, the percentage of of you know time we've spent on the floor has been much more tipped toward defense than offense this year. Yeah, so they <laughs> a lot more defense, which understandable. Um, he mentioned that to be one of these top teams, you have to be a top 10 defense. And I just looked up the top 10 teams. Number one, the Bucks. They were 
by a country mile, pretty much. Raptors, pretty hot, pretty far, you know, behind them, but just as far, you know, ahead of the next team, which is the Lakers. Lakers, Celtics, Clippers, all kind of in a bunch there. I mean, those top five teams, those are all, those are playoff teams. They all won a round, you know, at least. Lakers won the title. Um, you know, Celtics went to the Eastern Conference Finals. You have the um, next team is the Pacers. They were a team that kind of, you know, had a, Decent offense, but if you're really good defensively, you can make the playoffs for sure. Uh, Thunder were the next one. They were I an mean, overachieving team that played really well, you know, defense really well. Sixers were the next one. The Bulls, number nine, the Bulls were the first team that didn't make the playoffs that were in this top 10. And then the Nets were 10. They made the playoffs, another overachieving team. Magic, same thing as the Nets, basically. And then the Miami Heat were 12th. And, and then the, and the Jazz, like that's your top 13 defensive teams. Like you have to break into that uh, if you're going to be, you know, a really good team. Any, the teams outside of that that kind of made some noise, the Nuggets, they were 16th in defense, but they had Jamal Murray go kind of nuts on that. Uh, and then that's kind of it, right? Like There's no other team. Yeah. Those are all the real teams that meant something. The Rockets were 15th, but, you know, that's it. Yeah, I mean, getting top 10 will be huge for Dallas if they could do that defensively. I mean, it's a big jump to go to 18 to 10. Mavs were 18th last year. I I was going to mention that, but you didn't. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Because even when you look at last year, it's like, all right, can you – I think the goal for pretty much every team in the league, any good team, is to be top 10 in both the offense and defense. Can you get in that top 10 in both of them? And honestly, there was only two of those teams last year, by my count, the Clippers and the Celtics, that are both top 10 in offense and defense. Because even when you look at a team like the Lakers, they were 11th, which just isn't the biggest deal in the world, but they were 11th in the league in offense, but they were third in the league in defense. Now, I said this before too. It's like, calm down. If we, if the, if the Mavericks take a step back, because I've seen some of you are like, all right, if we're going to put all this emphasis, will there be like an overcorrection to where you're going to be all this defense, but then our offense is going to slip? I will much rather slip some on <laughs> offense and slip to like eighth or ninth in the league on offense, but gain and jump up to that ninth, tenth, eleventh, somewhere through there in defense because that makes you a more well-rounded team. And I want to make the point about the Lakers. The Lakers were 11th in the league in offense, but when it when it counted in the playoffs, the fourth quarter of a playoff game, they have LeBron and AD. So like the, you're not worried about people scoring at that point if you have LeBron and AD. So if the if the Mavericks drop to 8, 9, 10, which I don't think they will, I think they'll still yeah, that's remain in top 5, <laughs> you know, top 5 offense of the league because you have somebody like Luka, you still have somebody like Luka and go get you a bucket in the playoffs. So that's yeah, I I think it's a big jump, but it sounds like Personnel moves, everything, and emphasis in training camp. They should be better defensively. Maxi Kleba also spoke to the media, and so Carlisle was asked a question about him and about his importance to the team. And this was pretty eye-opening to me, and I think this is one of the reasons why the Mavericks didn't trade Maxi, or you know, he wasn't really in any trade rumors this past summer. I think he's really important to this team. Well, we, you know, we feel he's one of the most valuable two-way players um, on our team in, t- in terms of being able to. You know, score the ball offensively with uh, three-point shooting with range. Um, when he's playing the five and even the four sometimes, the ability to roll and finish. And then, you know, defensively, he can cover virtually any position. You know, he's been very good in switching situations, switching on to smaller guys. Um, he can guard the five, guy, five, the five men because he has length. Um, and, and deceptive ability to, to, to go vertical and, and challenge shots. And so, you know, like he's gotten better each year. And so this is, I believe this is year four. 
um, you know, we, we are really looking for him to continue to grow. He's still a young player, you know, 26 years old or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, in my book, that's young. I mean, I, I know that the way people see things in the, in the NBA now, you know, um, you got to be like 19 or 20 or 21 to be considered young. But, uh, you know, at 26 or maybe even 27, I'm not even sure which he is, um, you know, he's still a young player, and I think he's going to continue to get better. Uh, Maxie and I are four days apart as far as our ages. Uh <laughs> We were born the same year. We're 28, so we're about to be 29. <laughs> so I just want to make that clear. He's not 26. We wish. It sounds good, though. It does sound good. What do you think about that? I think that that was really telling. I mean, we know we know this, right? We've we watched the Mavericks. You know, we've watched every minute of Maxi's career so far. We've seen him improve. We've yeah. seen him become this really important player. But to hear that from Carlisle, he doesn't say that lightly about somebody that's that important. You know, to put him on. You know, to give him that. You know tag of like one of the most important two-way players on the team because he he brings something to that big man group that not you know everybody in that group brings he's kind of if you want and not many players switch. in the league bring right yeah and that that's why i do think he would be really valuable you know you look at a team like boston and everything that daniel tice did for boston maxi would be able to do that i think and in more boston. and yeah and to where you know in a world to where um, you know, like good teams. We've talked about the Donnie Nelson bullpen approach and all that stuff. And like really good teams out there, they're doing these center rotations of guys like the Lakers last year. And they had like JaVale and Dwight. If the the roster makeup of Dallas was a little, let's say Porzingis was a wing player and not a big, then Maxi would be like the perfect type of guy that you would be rotating at that five spot guy that's under $10 million a year, but he's going to play his role and, you know, serve his purpose well at that big man spot. And, but what's crazy about Maxi is he was the best like perimeter defender for Dallas last year. You cra- <laughs> it's crazy when you look at the isolation uh, numbers on synergy, as far as defending other, you know, other teams in isolation, he was the number one guy percentage-wise at 18% of the time. It was Maxi. Underneath him was Dorian at 13% of the time. They were clearly the two guys that were defending the most in isolation possessions. And I don't and and he had he had good stats and good numbers as far as synergy-wise on just defending. So um he's a he's a good defender. He means a lot to this team. He brings the versatility to where like like, well, I was going to say Willie can't shoot, but he could shoot this year. Um, <laughs> but, like, you look at, like, Maxi can roll. He can do everything, like, good. Is there a thing that Maxi is, like, 1,000% great in? I don't, like, but he's a really, really good, oh, like, well-rounded player at the that that big man position. So Because he can roll. He can shoot. He can defend on the perimeter. He can do a lot of those things that not a lot of these guys can can bring yeah that versatility is a big man so important especially in a playoff team because you need to be able to give different looks right let's say that you know a Kawhi Leonard you know he 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 excels against guys that have speed right but it's the strength maybe you know that's just an, ex- an example Matt you could throw Maxi in as being a guy that can kind of stay with him but also be stronger than the Dorian stronger than a Josh Richardson right if that's what really is bothering him maybe in that specific possession then you can throw a guy like that at him you know that that is why they, they need somebody like that uh, and so I thought that was really telling that quote, just to hear yeah. how important Maxi is because he is. He's probably, I mean, Josh Richardson now maybe has passed him as the best, you know, two way two way player. Uh, Porzingis on a really good defensive day can be, you know, yeah, he guarding can, other bigs. Yeah, he can change the game on defense in you know in certain instances against certain teams. But it's crazy. But if like yeah. you're 
if you're pairing up the bigs though to where they're like in similar groups, like you'd put like in my mind, I'd put like Dwight Powell and Willie kind of sure. together, both rim runners. I would I would put Maxi with James Johnson because they're more of like they can you know defend a little you know a little bit uh, smaller guys they can defend some fours but they can also shoot they can play some small ball five which I know Maxi six ten is not really small ball is you know for him I guess but so I I think Maxi's more paired with James Johnson compared to a Porzingis Boban Dwight Willie type of pairing he just Maxi brings something different that. None of the other bigs on this team bring. So I'm so glad they didn't trade him. <laughs> Which I yeah. we, there was no rumors about it, but we kept throwing him in fake trades because we were we were doing so many fake trades this summer, or this summer, this uh, off and season. I, I'm curious if he starts too. Like we we yeah. gotta see what happens on night one. You know, against against Phoenix. You know, who's the who's the big man that takes DeAndre Ayton with Porzingis out? Is it Dwight Powell coming off the Achilles? Do they? Uh, roll with Willie and you know do the Dwight Maxi thing off the bench. Do they throw Maxi out there to guard? It? Like that's it. it. I'm really intrigued about it. You know I love that Max Maxi Dwight Powell pairing off the bench. That yeah, was you a, do. that was one of my favorite tandems because that, that bench unit was so good. It was Maxi Dwight and then it was like three guards. You could just throw any three guards. It was usually JJ and Devin Harris and then it was like Yogi or you know somebody else. Just, it could really be Seth maybe. It could really be anybody. But that that group is just. You can do so many things with that group if you have one playmaker and like two shooters, <laughs> because then you have, yeah. you know, Dwight catching lobs. You have Maxi out on the perimeter. Defensively, you have a bunch of different start, dudes too. But yeah, Maxi probably going to st- start against Milwaukee on Saturday. You know, he's probably going to yeah. start against Giannis and, to guard him. But even that first game of, against Phoenix, they could start Maxi at the five. Dorian's probably going to start game one of the regular season because he's probably going to take Jay Crowder, or you know, because they're probably going to start him at the four, but. That you're probably immediately right off the bat gonna get a small ball type of lineup for game one, but then you might get something completely different in game two against the Lakers because they'll probably roll out Anthony Davis and Marcus All in their starting lineup. So then you might get a Dwight and Maxi or a Willie and Maxi or something like that. So um yeah, that's the that's the type of lineup fluidity. Is that the for word sure? Going? Yeah, that's the right uh, word. that we'll expect until Porzingis gets in there. Yeah, and then we'll see what happens from there. All right, coming up, let's get into some of this rookie stuff. So Tyler Bay spoke to the media. He had a really great quote about a veteran on this Mavericks team, uh, a, ma- a veteran named JJ. There's yeah, two of them. We'll tell you which one it is. <laughs> we'll tell you which one it is. And then Carlisle had a great quote about um, adjustments for rookie players and how rookie players have to adjust to the NBA. So stick with us. We'll talk about that coming up. All right, Isaac, let's hear from Tyler Bay. So he spoke the 36th pick for the Mavericks. He spoke and talked about, you know, what he's been learning, basically. Uh, you could tell that he's still kind of in draft mode where he's like, I'm still learning. I'm quite, I'm asking questions every day. You know, he's like trying to prove himself still uh, from all of his answers. I thought that was kind of funny. But this is an answer about a veteran that has really stuck out to him and somebody that he is really looking up to so far during camp. Uh, I would say probably JJ or James Johnson. I, you know what I'm saying? I think that... For me, I, he's been here for 12 years. He's been in the league for 12 years, so I try to soak up as much as I can from him. I'm always asking him questions. He has a probably one of the best mentalities I've ever seen when it comes to like defense and you know, playing your role. So I think just really just getting closer to him as I can. And he's been in the league for a lot. He's a he's a really good bet, and I respect him as much as anybody else on the team. And I think just asking him and staying close to him is my biggest thing. I, I want to get 
you know, I want to soak up his brain, just like get a feel for things. Was he? It sounded like he was playing with a candy bar wrapper, but I think he had, I think he had a Gatorade that he was like messing with. So that's what the crackling sound is. But JJ James Johnson, yeah. it really threw me off when he said JJ because immediately I thought Berea, but he meant James Johnson. This is continue our you know campaign on James Johnson being a great vet for the Mavs so far. I know, and this this is why I asked him that question. I was sitting there. I love hearing what rookies say after the you know first week or days. I just I want to know what what players from the team, what vets have already plugged into him. Who are the, who are the real leaders? And so that's why I asked Bay this question. And him, he said JJ, and like my face on Zoom was like, oh, like I was like JJ Barrett, and then he's like James Johnson goes in, and that just shows you again, like going back to the Burke you know comment from the end of last week that we put on this pod about James Johnson that he is already establishing himself as this leader. He's like, I've been asking him questions and I just want to soak up his brains and just like, just know everything about how he does everything. And I mentioned that he's a 16 year veteran. Like that's really important to some of these guys that want to try to stick in the league, especially for a Tyler Bay, right? He fits kind of that archetype that James Johnson is. And so, okay, if I can learn from this guy and learn what has helped him stick in the league, that could, you know, that could be a payday for me, you know? And James Johnson ain't even practicing. Uh, sorry, I was like scrimmaging. <laughs> you know, he, he's supposed to start scrimmaging on you know what Tuesday or Wednesday. So the dude is already establishing his presence on the team. And this is man, this is what this team needed. They need another vocal guy in there, and they're getting that. In James Johnson. I want to also be clear about James Johnson. We've talked about James Johnson a lot, but a Twitter user reached out to me and was like, "I think James Johnson could be one of the most overrated Mavs, you know, acquisitions." Blah blah blah. And I want to make sure you guys understand that we're not trying to overrate him, thinking he's going to come in and be this like i was gonna say have we ever said that he's going to average like 20 a game right yeah yeah it's not like that it's we're talking about the basic basically the off-court impact right or the you know the you know the eq of the team the you know basketball iq and then the eq the emotional quotient of this team that he's been you know been helping you know like you know tyler bay and other people have mentioned him as a veteran that's really been vocal during you know vocal during training camp like that's the side that we think he's going to help with more than the actual basketball so it's not like we're saying he's going to come in and you know be this incredible three and d player that we you know like he starts right away and no one else can start because he's been so good yeah we've never yeah it's it's the same type of deal that like vince carter going to sacramento and going to atlanta and like those people covered that the same type of way i'm like man this veteran on this team blah 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 this is when you have a young team like this, you're looking for experienced voices in the locker room and they got another one in James. This is why we've harped so much for JJ Bray on this team. For sure. Yeah. So there's two and you, you really appreciate that. All right. Here's Rick Carlisle talking about rookies and their adjustment in the NBA. Well, we have five rookies, I think, maybe even six uh, in camp. And the big adjustment for all of them is the spacing of the NBA game. Um, the three point line being further out, um, you know, the fact that in the NBA we liberally take three-point shots. Um, we encourage spacing well beyond the arc of the three-point line. Um, and a lot of these guys are kind of uh, tight-roping it. And, and so, we're, you know, they get a little scrunched. And this has been the biggest reminder for, for all these guys. Um, Maybe with the exception of, of, of Tyrell Terry because he was a long-range shooter um, in college and he, a lot of the shots he took were you know, well beyond what the NBA 3 would be. But I think that's, that's an immediate uh, adjustment that college players have to make. 
Yeah, he he went on to talk about some specifics for players, but I thought that that was interesting because you know the the length of the three pointers is obviously we know that the college three is shorter than the NBA three. The amount of threes that they take and how it, how that changes the game, the spacing. We we heard Luka Doncic talk about how easy NBA offense was when he first came in the NBA because of how much spacing there is, and it helps certain players, but certain guys that are going to be these you know hopefully floor spacers, Josh Green, hopefully you know Tyler Bay. You know, those guys, that might be a big adjustment for them to try and change that. They're not the ones with the ball in their hand driving through the lane that has like a mile of space now, right? It's easy for guys yeah. like Luca. It's hard for some of these guys like Josh Green, Tyler Bay, and it's not for Tyra Terry, but there's certain other things that are. Yeah, especially for a guy like Tyler Bay. You know, when we talked about him, remember, um, shout out, there's also a piece coming from on Tyler Bay for me Ooh. in the future, but. Um, if you remember Tyler Bay in Colorado, he he was mainly a big. You know, he played yeah. down low so much to where like you watch most of his stuff and it's like in the paint and everything. And he was asked about that today too. But imagine him like this has to be new for him because now he enters a camp to where they're probably sticking him in the corner, right? I mean, they're probably spacing it out and saying, "All right, let Luca work, let Jalen Brunson go to work in the bench unit," and saying, "You know, Tyler, get into the corner, get out on the wing, spread it out some." So it has to be different for him. And just, I mean insider baseball stuff here but you know back last year when we could actually go to practices i remember one of the first times walking into the practice gym and seeing this blue tape line like not an actual three-point line but it was a blue tape line a few feet behind the three-point line you're like what the crap is this like on the floor (laughs) and they added their own like four-point line because they wanted to add more spacing on the floor it's like the make-believe line to where it was when they're they would start running their sets or open, you know, starting their offensive uh, movements uh, uh, in front behind that line and putting people out and swear they're shooting it further out. And so it was creating even more space than what you would even have. So it was like, it, it was wild to hear them explain it and kind of talk about it in a practice sense too. So yeah, I can just imagine it's crazy when you watch college basketball and then you watch the NBA and see how you know, like, crumbled up college basketball different games at, at times in the paint and just seeing the spacing in the NBA. So that has to be an, a learning curve for him. And like you said, Dallas has six rookies in <laughs> camp right now. It's counting, you know, Patterson and Gillespie and those guys in the two ways and Terry and green, but uh, that's six young guys on a team that, you know, we, we hope can go to the second, third round of the playoffs this year. I don't, you don't always see that. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty interesting number that there's that many. Uh, All right, this last thing, let's end with some talk about Tyler Bay. So this is Rick Carlisle answering two different questions. The first one is, you know, a question from you, I believe, about, you know, Tyler Bay and what he kind of what he expects from him. And then another one is about what he can, you know, what Tyler Bay can improve on and what he needs to work on. And then Tyler Bay answering the questions about the adjustments to the NBA and then what he specifically has to improve on. So let's play all this and then uh, we'll finish up. I love that you're in this new role. Tyler's a smart kid. He he loves defense. He loves competing. Uh, I was just spending some time with him on his shooting, which has gotten better. He's worked extremely hard at it. Um, so in the near term, the key for him will be to develop into, you know, a dependable three and D guy that that will help get him on the floor. Um, and then he'll have to play two positions. You know, he'll have to, he'll have to know the three and the four. Um, it's unlikely he'll play much five, but but the three and the four. Um, you know, are are significantly different, and so uh, you know that that may be a little bit challenging. But again, I think you know his IQ for the game and and uh, you know and how he sees the game. I don't think he's gonna have a problem with it. All right, 
Well, we like his <clears throat> we like his length. You know, defensively, he was one of the highest rated defenders in college basketball uh, last year and probably the year before as well. Um, <clears throat> look, the theme, the, the biggest theme we've had this offseason has been getting better defensively. Um, you know, we were able to trade for James Johnson, who's a high-level defender. Uh, we trade for Josh Richardson, who's a high-level defender. We draft Tyler Bay, who's, you know, as I mentioned, top two or three in all of, all of uh, college basketball. And then um, Josh Green's another guy who played in a great program at, at Arizona, who, uh, who's, in, who's, a, who's a physical uh, wing defender as well. And so, you know, we liked, we liked Bay, and we felt that <coughs> he was pretty undervalued at the 36th pick. I thought some of that – Carlisle, so Carlisle answered that first question, said he's going to have to play some three and some four. Didn't really mention five. And that his adjustment is going to be he's going to have to turn into a three and D player if he wants to stay on the floor. We know the defense is there. He's built specifically to defend people oh, in the yeah. NBA. I mean, he is just like the exact archetype of a player you would want to defend. But to hit that three-point shot, that's going to be key for him. Do you expect him to play at all this season? Because I don't really expect him to. I think that three-point shot is going to take him a little bit to, you know, to adjust to no I don't I, I think he's a I think it's one of those scenarios where if he's playing a lot then we're not doing very good <laughs> or there's been a lot of COVID you know positives and yeah, something like and that no he, sh- he's on a two-way so he can play but yeah it's no shot at him we we are big fans of it in our fake locked on yep. you know mock draft we uh we we got him and took him at 25 and, and, yeah we traded down and took him at 25 so uh, we we like him a lot. I like him a lot. He has every, he's kind of like a bigger uh, he's a bigger Dorian when Dorian came in. It's like all right, we know you can defend. We know like all of that, but where's your shot at? So I think it will take some time. And I think yeah, if he develops well, I think it will uh, it'll pay off in the long run. Absolutely. Here's Tyler Bay talking about the adjustments he needs to make. These are two questions, uh, two answers from him. The adjustments he needs to make to his game, the adjustment to the NBA, and then the adjustments he needs to make and the coaches have been telling him to make to his game. Man, it's, it's really different. Um, it's a lot different, I, honestly. Um, I think just getting used to like the defensive ter- terminologies and all the different things they do you know, is way different from college. Um, but I'm learning, you know what I'm saying? I'm asking questions. I'm I'm learning from the vets. I'm asking questions with the coaches, and I'm really just getting a feel for things, and really I'm getting comfortable. So it's a big, it's a big jump, but now I'm getting used to it. Pretty much everything is different. Uh, like for example, when when I'm on defense, you know I gotta be quicker. I gotta think faster. Uh, I gotta be faster. You know what I'm saying? I always gotta be in the stance. I can't make little mistakes how I used to in college. Uh, and like plays, like we learn four plays in one day. You know it's. Three days passed, and I probably got like 12 plays in. So it's really just being dialed in more. Uh, you gotta have a really good mentality just when it comes to like paying attention and asking questions. You gotta want to learn. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's just the biggest jump for me is just really getting used to just get a feel for things. You know what I'm saying? And for offense, defense, you know, and just really, you know, just watching, watching what's going on around you. It's pretty early for him to talk about adjustments to the NBA, but I thought that just the learning curve of learning all those plays that we mentioned before and you know that kind of stuff, I felt like was was kind of interesting from him. Just to hear his perspective on first couple of days in the NBA, like I mentioned before, you could still hear that in his voice, like you know, I'm still learning, I'm I'm, I'm asking questions, I'm doing this. You're like 
you've been drafted, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. But now he has to earn playing time, right? It's always a fight in the NBA. You have to fight to get drafted, fight to get your playing time, fight to get the ball, you know, and, and earn those possessions and touches. And it's just until you get to be like James Harden and do whatever you want and go to, you know, Vegas part or Atlanta parties, you know, this you keep fighting for your spot. Well, yeah, and it's just a reminder that this is like a fire hydrant in time for him, right? I mean, he just got drafted, what, two weeks ago? And you know, in a normal offseason, he would be drafted, and then he would have July and August and summer September league. and all these, you know, yeah, summer league, all these, you know, all this time before training camp. And he gets drafted two weeks later. He's in Dallas in training camp <laughs> learning plays with Rick Carlisle and like Rick showing him how to shoot and stuff. And so it's, uh, you know, it's a whirlwind uh, for a guy like that and for all these rookies. So, uh, Man, hats off to him. Yeah, and I think that plays into him being able to play this year, too. The fact that it's just been such a quick, you know, he just got drafted, basically. So yeah. uh, that is going to also affect his ability to play this year as well, too. So there you go. That was a little bonus extra about Tyler Bay that I wanted to play. Tomorrow, we're going to hear from Willie Cauley-Stein and Josh Green. They spoke on Saturday, but we didn't get to that audio. So we're going to play you that tomorrow and uh, talk about all that. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Maps. So, boom. Sitting in the bathroom in the club. Man, I wonder what all these other guys are doing. They're probably at training camp. It's probably probably doing some plays. <laughs> you know I don't run plays. <laughs> Just me. Give me the ball. Get out my way. <laughs> not today. Today, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to the Rockets. You can't make me. I'm not going. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay here. Sorry, John Wall.